0: Hello, and welcome to Historically Speaking Uncommon History with an Unconventional Pair. I'm Rebecca Robbins.
1: And I'm Kim Kimmel.
0: I'm a singer and actress.
1: And I'm a retired history teacher.
0: He was my history teacher in college.
1: And now we've been married for 21 years.
0: (laughs) Sometimes quirky, sometimes obscure.
1: But this is the kind of history you actually want to remember.
0: Hello, and welcome to Historically Speaking Podcast. Here we are at episode 29.
1: Yes, 29th episode.
0: I know, I feel so young. <laughs> <laughs> oh, to be 29 again.
1: Uh, yeah, to be 49 again.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I I couldn't agree more. Well, wait a minute. No. Anyways, today's episode, we're going to be talking about Macbeth. The real Macbeth versus Shakespeare's Macbeth.
1: And there's quite a difference.
0: And just for the record, for anyone who will be in the theater in the near future, never say the word Macbeth in a theater. Yes. And as we get into the episode, I'll tell you why. Okay. So, the Bard of Avon came up with hundreds and hundreds of words.
1: Maybe thousands. Maybe. Yeah.
0: In his works. In fact, I think he's probably the most quoted person in all of history, I would think.
1: Yeah, I think, other than the Bible.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's not one person.
1: Right. Yeah, other than the more, Yeah. I think you're right. Hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. So, what are a few words that you enjoy that Shakespeare invented?
1: Well, if I'm not mistaken, he invented the word excellent. Excellent. He invented, uh, I think, the term cold-blooded.
0: That wasn't Truman Capote?
1: I think Capote comes after Shakespeare. Maybe a few (laughs) years.
0: Well, mine are assassination, which was invented in the play Macbeth.
1: Oh, I did not know that.
0: Yeah, we're going to talk about that. So, Macbeth, for those of you who don't know, here's Macbeth in one sentence. Ready? After being convinced by three witches... A Scottish lord sets out to become king of Scotland.
1: Yes, that's how the play begins. It's how the
0: play, and it's pretty much the premise of the whole play.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: So we start out with our main character Macbeth. Macbeth. Fact or fiction?
1: Well, let's deal with him factually. Okay. He actually did reign as king of Scotland, more technically, king of Alba. That's what Scotland was called back then from 1040 to 1057. So the distance in time between Macbeth and Shakespeare was greater than the distance in time from Shakespeare to us.
0: Wow, that puts it in perspective.
1: Yeah, Shakespeare wrote about 550 years after Macbeth reigned in Scotland.
0: And that's before history was being completely accurately written down.
1: Yes, with very few exceptions like Thucydides (laughs) with his history of the Peloponnesian War, history oftentimes mixed uh, legend with fact. That was very, very common. In fact, William Shakespeare primarily relied upon Raphael Hollinshed's Chronicles, first published in 1577, second edition in 1587, for his information about Macbeth. And he made up a lot of stuff, Shakespeare did. Hollinshed made up some things, and then Shakespeare made more things up.
0: Wow, so it makes you wonder,
1: if I could just go back in time just to, to set the stage for Macbeth. I love and...
0: it when you set the stage, especially for a play.
1: <laughs> uh, Scotland, the beginning of Scotland is really in the middle of the ninth century. The first true king of Scotland is usually listed as Kenneth MacAlpin, And sometime in the 840s, around 850, he united the kingdom of the Picts and the kingdom of Dalriada, And this formed Scotland, also known as Alba. Although what confuses this is that the kingdom of the Picts was also known as Alba. But this is really really the beginning of the kingdom of Scotland. And there would be many kings before Macbeth. And the king right before Macbeth is Duncan, who plays a very major role in the play. Absolutely. Now, in the play, Macbeth, Duncan is uh, portrayed as an old man. But in reality, he was a very young man in his 20s.
0: Oh, that young? Yes, that young.
1: And Duncan wasn't a very good king. He came to the throne in 1034. Uh, He would only reign for six years. He invaded England in 1039. He went against Durham. It was a major defeat. And then he went after Macbeth, who was Earl of Moray, very powerful uh, noble in in northern Scotland.
0: Now, why would he do that?
1: Well, that's a good question. Duncan and Macbeth may have been cousins. There's a possibility of that. He may have feared his power. There may have been a number of reasons why he did this. But in the play, Duncan is invited by Macbeth, and then, of course, Duncan is killed while he's sleeping. But in fact, Duncan went after Macbeth. In 1040, Macbeth ensured that he was killed, and then Macbeth became king in in that year.
0: So it is true to say that Macbeth did murder Duncan.
1: Well, I don't know if Macbeth himself actually slayed. Maybe it was
0: his wife, right. Lady Macbeth.
1: I don't think so. It might have been one of his soldiers. Probably. <laughs> but what's interesting is, and many historians have pointed this out, Macbeth would reign for 17 years, and there didn't seem to be any opposition to his rule. He had a pretty productive reign, a pretty peaceful reign. He made a pilgrimage to Rome in 1050.
0: Oh, Wow.
1: And uh, so the historical Macbeth seemed to have been a fairly good monarch, whereas the Macbeth of Shakespeare, and to some extent of Hollinshed in his Chronicles, is a much more nefarious individual.
0: Now, is there a reason for that? Oh, I
1: don't know. People love drama.
0: Well, that's true.
1: And mixing fact with fiction. Uh, And also don't forget that over the centuries, What really occurred can be spun and respun and embellished and changed. And so it's very difficult at times to figure out where the truth really lies.
0: Well, as they say in a very famous play about to open on Broadway, who lives, who dies, and who tells your story?
1: Mm, There you go.
0: There you go. That's Hamilton, by the way. Oh, it is. It is. Oh,
1: okay. I learn something every day. There you go. Yeah.
0: Stick with me for some theater facts.
1: I will do that. Mm-hmm.
0: now let's get back to Macbeth so, so Duncan's dead
1: Duncan's dead as of 1040 Macbeth becomes king reigns for 17 years now did he th- have
0: issue as in children Duncan no Macbeth
1: no uh he had a stepson Lulock oh. and Lulock was Lady Macbeth's son by a previous marriage to an individual who was formerly Earl of Moray, and Macbeth may have killed him. His name was Gilla, and her real name is Gruach. How do you like that for a name? No, thanks. No? Instead of Rebecca, you wouldn't want Gruach? I mean, it's
0: tempting, but okay. maybe as a middle name.
1: So Macbeth had a stepson, Lulach, who actually will succeed him for a few months. Now, Duncan had a son. In fact, he had two sons, but the one that's really important is Malcolm. This is the future Malcolm III of Scotland. When Macbeth took over the kingdom in 1040, Malcolm and his younger brother fled almost certainly to England, where they would be safe. And they remained there for many years. And eventually, the English would invade Scotland. Seward of Northumbria did that. Uh, He was killed in 1055. In the play Macbeth, Seward is with the legendary Macduff, as well as Malcolm. But by the time that Macbeth is killed, Seward has been dead about uh, two years. So that's another fiction by Shakespeare. I see. And then when Malcolm actually goes up against Macbeth at a battle called Lumpfanon, close to Aberdeen, Macbeth is mortally wounded and dies a few days later. His stepson, Lulock, becomes king for a few months. And then after a few months, Lulock is also killed by Malcolm, and Malcolm III is Becomes King of Scotland and would reign for 35 years until 1093. And he would have four sons of his who would succeed him as kings of Scotland.
0: Wow, and this is all from the line of Duncan.
1: Yes, this is all from the line of Duncan, which Macbeth may have been related to as well. We're not certain. I see. As I mentioned, they may have been cousins, Duncan and Macbeth. In the play, people like Banquo,
0: Right, there's so many secondary characters in Macbeth. There's Fleance,
1: Macduff. There sure, so many of them are legendary figures. Lady Macbeth is not a legendary figure, but she never played a really important part until you, centuries later, when chroniclers started to embellish things. And
0: well, I think she's a conglomerate of two women
1: she could in be. Scottish history. She could be
0: one who was very driven, and one who was seen to be as murderous.
1: Yes. Uh, the real Lady Macbeth, Gruach, we don't know much about her, not much at all.
0: Except she was married before. And That's right. Macbeth probably killed her husband.
1: Very, very likely, and then married her. And then when he died, Lulach, his stepson, became temporarily king of Scotland until Malcolm, Malcolm III, uh took over for 35 years. That's correct. Now, what's interesting is uh, Shakespeare relied largely upon Raphael Hollinshed's Chronicles. And in the Chronicles, there are a lot of differences from Shakespeare's play. For instance, in the Chronicles, there aren't witches. There are fairies that make the prediction, nymphs. And fairies or nymphs are almost always portrayed as beautiful creatures.
0: Yes, usually.
1: But Shakespeare changed that to to witches, old and gnarly and... (laughs) Ugly and all of that. As so that
0: earthy as you can get.
1: And here's another innovation by Shakespeare in Holinshed's Chronicles: Banquo is portrayed as a rather nefarious, scheming figure. He's not a good guy. But in Shakespeare's play, Banquo, who was an ally at first of Macbeth, a fellow soldier, eventually is killed by Macbeth. Where Macbeth orders his death, and Banquo is looked upon as a very positive figure. And what's really important is that Banquo and his son Fleance are supposedly the ancestors, the distant ancestors of the Stuarts, the Stuart dynasty, which would rule England from 1603 until 1714 and had ruled in Scotland for hundreds of years before that.
0: It's amazing how all of this is weaved together.
1: It is, and it's important the year that Macbeth was written. 1606 is the very likely year that Macbeth was written, by which time James sixth of Scotland, a Stuart, had already become James I of England as of 1603. So you can see where Shakespeare making Banquo a good guy, all right? Ah, as hence, a co- the,
0: hence the royal line. That's
1: the royal line. He's not going to insult the new Stuart king of England by making the ancestor.
0: That would be very unwise.
1: Banquo and then Fleance and so on. So Banquo is portrayed in a rather very positive way. And of course, Banquo is killed by Macbeth's orders, but his son Fleance gets away and the Stuart dynasty eventually descends from that. But that's completely fictional. There was no Banquo. There was no Fleance in history. They're totally legendary figures. In fact, I think the first time that Banquo appears anywhere is in the early 16th century, about uh, 40 years before Shakespeare was born.
0: So he was historical?
1: No, not really. He was just made up.
0: So went in, in just an oral tradition kind of way?
1: Well, Macduff is another uh, mythological figure. Now, Macduff appears as early as the 14th century, some 300 years after Macbeth. But Macduff, of course, is a very big person in the play. He's the one who's going to kill Macbeth.
0: Absolutely. Right.
1: And Malcolm is portrayed as kind of a young man, and and Macduff is leading him, and 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 doing the right thing and killing Macbeth. But Macduff is a legendary figure, too. I think the first time he's mentioned is in the 14th century with by people But these like,
0: names are floating around. So Shakespeare would have yeah. heard of these oh, people. Oh, absolutely.
1: He would have heard of Banquo and Fleance and Macduff by the time he's so writing he just, play.
0: he just made the sausage, essentially. That's
1: right. And he changed a number of things, as I mentioned. Yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, Macbeth is this very dark figure. So is Lady Macbeth.
0: Well, it's interesting that you bring that up, because I want to bring up how superstitious people were at this time, including James.
1: James was very superstitious. Uh, in fact, he actually wrote an entire work on witches called Demonology. Uh, this was before he became king of England, but while he was king of Scotland in the 1590s. This is before Elizabeth died.
0: So when Shakespeare he, would have been apprised of that.
1: He would have known about
0: He probably that. may have even read it.
1: He may have Shakespeare is very well read, I'm certain of that,
0: so that was a huge influence on this play.
1: could have been it could have been, yes, and when James was coming back from Denmark, where he picked up his wife Anne, coming back to Scotland, uh, there was a huge storm, and James was convinced, I think, to the end of his days, that it was caused by witches.
0: didn't he hunt them down in and... I think he
1: did hunt them down, yeah and they were well, killed. the and... ones he
0: assumed were right. responsible right
1: very, very superstitious age in many respects.
0: Well, the play itself has had yeah. superstitious things happening around it since its very inception.
1: Yeah, that's true. And, you know, Shakespeare's four great tragedies were all written in a seven-year period from 1601 to 1608, which is really the height of Shakespeare's brilliance, as J.B. Black and The Reign of Elizabeth mentions. When you look at King Lear and Othello and Hamlet, these three are totally legendary figures. They're mythological figures. They they, they circulated in different uh, forms for centuries, but there's no real historical basis for any of them. There is for Macbeth.
0: Now, I wonder why he chose Macbeth.
1: Not sure. I don't know why he chose King Lear. I don't know why he chose Othello and so on. I'm not sure what Shakespeare's real motivations were.
0: Boy, would I love to sit down and have a beer with him. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, he'd be in my top five list.
0: Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Although I'd probably be so intimidated by his intellect.
1: Well, I think he was a genius.
0: I think so, too. Yeah, right.
1: And, he, you know, Shakespeare was only 52 when he died.
0: Wow, that is extraordinary to yeah. think of all the things that he did in that time frame.
1: Right. All the plays he wrote, all the histories, the tragedies, uh, the comedies. Yeah, he, he was the best of the best. And there were others at the time, Spencer and Marlowe and Johnson Wonderful playwrights, but Shakespeare was superior to them all,
0: certainly,, yeah.
1: but what happens is Macbeth is killed in ten fifty seven and then Lulock reigns for a short time, just a matter of months, and then Malcolm the Third comes in and begins a very long line of Scottish kings that will go uh, the whole way to the end of the thirteenth century, about the time that William Wallace comes in,
0: oh. and
1: uh, Robert the Bruce.
0: Braveheart.
1: Right, Braveheart and all that. But time, by the time Braveheart occurs, and uh, the movie made by uh, Mel Gibson, uh, that's very late 13th century. And by that time, uh, Macbeth would have been dead for some 250 years.
0: That's extraordinary to think how far back Scottish history goes.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, if you go back to Kenneth MacAlpin, you're talking the mid-9th century. And there were kingdoms before that like the Kingdom of the Picts and uh, Riada, And then down in southwestern Scotland and northwestern England, there was another kingdom called Strathclyde. So it's a very complicated situation in the early medieval era. Uh, and trying to decipher fact from fiction is oftentimes, uh, well, it's it's a real challenge.
0: I'll say. So yeah. Shakespeare just made up things as he went.
1: Yep. He just made up words. He made up, uh, all Cross, kinds of things,
0: characters, changed name nymphs
1: it. To, to witches, changed a bad Banquo well to a good Banquo. Well. And, uh, yep, absolutely. Now, I don't think you should overlook the propaganda aspect of Shakespeare's plays. I mean, he was trying to please uh, the monarch. He was trying to please very powerful people, and I don't blame him.
0: Well, that's how he got his title, isn't it?
1: What, the Bard of Avon? Yes. I don't know when he got that title. Do you know?
0: I do not know, but no, I will look sure. it up and put it in the show notes. not sure. So let's talk about the influence that Macbeth had as far as people and… It,
1: historically or the play?
0: Historically. For it's, instance, Abraham Lincoln.
1: Oh, well, uh, Macbeth was Abraham Lincoln's favorite Shakespearean play. Uh, Abraham Lincoln could recite long passages from Shakespeare's plays. He knew them very well. He read two things extensively, Shakespeare and the Bible. And Macbeth was his favorite play. And he said so to several individuals. Uh,
0: Did he ever say why it was his favorite?
1: I don't know that I have a specific reason why he thought that, but I know that that was his favorite play. And what's interesting is some of Shakespeare's great plays were not liked by great writers. For instance, Charles Dickens did not like Hamlet. What? Well, he said he was just so indecisive that it was annoying. And just because it's a great play by Shakespeare doesn't mean it was well liked. So there are different assessments well, through the people. ages,
0: I, I taste change, obviously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think here in, what, what we in 2021 now, I feel like we skipped a year somehow. Uh, there is actually a new film version coming out of Macbeth. Very I, soon, I right? think like this month, maybe even, mm-hmm. with Denzel Washington playing the title role.
1: Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. Oh. And of course, we just saw about uh, well, a week or 10 days ago, the Orson Welles version.
0: Which was very abridged.
1: It was abridged, very dark.
0: Very dark. Uh,
1: extra I mean, Macbeth is a dark play to begin with, and Orson Welles made it extra dark.
0: But but to compare the Roman Polanski Macbeth with right. Orson Welles Macbeth, right. very different.
1: Yes. But I still enjoy the movie, made in 1948. Uh, this would have been about uh, seven years after uh, Orson Welles made Citizen Kane.
0: So he's still a young... Thing. Oh,
1: yeah. I think Orson well, Welles- it's interesting because yeah.
0: most great actors have cut their teeth, so to speak, on Shakespeare.
1: And my understanding is if you can do Shakespeare, you can do anything.
0: It's extraordinarily difficult to do Shakespeare, in my opinion, as an actor.
1: It really taps into everything you are.
0: It's really hard. Mm -hmm. Hard is such a nothing word to describe it. But to understand the language, to understand the intent and the time, and there's just so many layers Mm -hmm. that you have to contend with.
1: Yes, I've read that many times by actors and actresses. It is the most difficult. But but. if
0: you can do it, kudos.
1: But once again, the historical Macbeth versus the Shakespearean Macbeth, very different. Uh, It looks like Macbeth was, in real life, a pretty good king.
0: It seems that way. Yeah. Now I want to talk about, well, we talked about Lincoln and his affinity for Macbeth. Mm Mm-hmm. A lot of people around that time, I guess, had an affinity for Macbeth. And I think both of the Booth brothers oh, yes. performed right. Macbeth, the, the title character.
1: Edwin did. Uh, I guess John Wilkes did, I too. I think
0: John Wilkes did, too, although I think he admitted that his brother was the better
1: right. Macbeth. And they performed, uh, at least uh, Edwin did, at the Walnut Street Theater.
0: Uh, that's Edwin Forrest.
1: Oh, Edwin Forrest performed
0: there. Actually, right. Edwin Booth may have as well. I'm not he sure. might have.
1: Right. Because, you know, the Walnut is the oldest theater in America.
0: And certainly, we have a giant statue right. of Edwin Forrest.
1: Edwin Forrest. at the have yes.
0: And there's the Forrest Theater as well in right. Philadelphia.
1: Right. And, of course, the Walnut's in Philadelphia. Right. Yeah. Began in 1809. That's the oldest continuous theater in the United States.
0: Yeah, it, was, it opened under President Thomas Jefferson. Yeah, I think Jefferson. it opened
1: uh, when, in the last weeks of uh, Jefferson's administration in 1809, yes.
0: And I will be working there.
1: Once again, next as month. As of October. Yeah.
0: So, check that out. Uh, now, since we're talking about theater, mm-hmm. I made this mistake once in my career, mm-hmm. and I will never do it again. What's that? I said the word Macbeth. Oh,
1: God forbid.
0: I actually said it, you know, me being the green actress. So fortunately, someone was at that play at that time and she knew what I had to do to break the curse. Well,
1: pray tell. What did you have to do? Okay.
0: So what I had to do, I had to leave the theater, literally walk out the doors. I had to turn around. I had to spit and I had to curse and then I had to knock on the door to be let back into the theater.
1: <laughs> and doesn't this this curse doesn't this go the whole way back to Shakespeare's this time?
0: This goes back to the, actually the very first performance of Macbeth, at least one of the first performances, and and how it started was Shakespeare actually used real incantations for the witches. I see. Of the time, these were true actual spells and curses and all that kind of thing so the witches were very angry that he used this and revealed their secrets so they cursed the play oh. so the first thing that happened during this time was the young boy who was playing Lady Macbeth
1: mm-hmm. because uh, women didn't perform at the stage on the stage at that time not right? at all yeah.
0: unless mm-hmm. you're watching Shakespeare in Love Total fiction.
1: Right. But you'd have to play a man playing, a woman playing a man. Correct.
0: But the boy who was playing Lady Macbeth was ill and eventually died. And apparently at this particular performance, Shakespeare himself had to step into the role of Lady Macbeth.
1: That I would like to have seen.
0: Right. If you could go back in time and see (laughs) one performance, maybe that was it. Yeah. Maybe that was it. So that's the first thing that happened. Uh, And then there's been many things that have happened since then. Actors have fallen off the stage. Props, uh, knives were exchanged for real knives, and, and actors got stabbed. People were hit in the head with scenery. It even happened to Laurence Olivier when oh, was he right? was doing it at the Old Vic. He oh. was playing the title role. Mm-hmm. I think when was this? Uh, it was a while ago.
1: <laughs> Nailed it down, didn't you?
0: <laughs> I did. <laughs> so he was playing Macbeth, and apparently a sandbag. I think, Uh narrowly missed him.
1: Oh, wow. Wow. So,
0: the curse is real, people.
1: Well, of course, there's been a lot of other plays where tragedies occurred and so on, but because Macbeth has this reputation... Because
0: it was cursed from the beginning by the witches. Yeah,
1: it's it's never going to get rid of that.
0: No, and you never, ever will be able to say that word. You can say the Scottish play...
1: Yes, that's correct. ...but you cannot
0: name the Scottish play. No,
1: that's verboten.
0: It is indeed. And it's amazing how many things have been taken from Macbeth and and made into other movies or plays or things like that. It's been Mm -hmm. the basis of so many other things as well.
1: It is a very dark look at things, at life in general. And that uh, soliloquy that Macbeth states after Lady Macbeth's death, when he finds out that she has died uh, tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow, creeps in this petty pace from day to day, that is magnificent.
0: Oh, there's so many magnificent quotes from Macbeth.
1: It's a timeless play. Absolutely. It'll be performed hundreds of years from now, maybe thousands of years from now.
0: I think you're right, actually. I,
1: I don't think it'll ever die. I... Unless political correctness kills it.
0: <laughs> Which, who knows, these days.
1: You never know anymore.
0: You really don't. Nah. It, no, nobody's safe. No. Nah. So.
1: Well, what more do we have to say?
0: I guess that's it. Yeah,
1: the historical Macbeth and the Shakespearean Macbeth.
0: So there really, truly different. was a Macbeth. He Absolutely. really, truly was the King of Scotland.
1: For 17 years.
0: For 17 years.
1: Mm-hmm. Shortly, he, uh, he would have died shortly before the Battle of Hastings, 1066, when uh, William the Conqueror, the Norman Duke, uh, conquered England, uh, defeated Harold at the Battle of Hastings. Macbeth coming shortly before that, dying about nine years before the Battle of Hastings, which transforms English history and which eventually has a major effect on Scottish history.
0: Yes, the two are very intertwined.
1: Oh, yeah. Yes. English and Scottish history are intertwined for centuries and centuries and centuries. And there's no love lost between the Scots and the English.
0: Uh, No. Including the late Sean Connery.
1: That's right. He was first, last, and always a Scot. Always. Yes.
0: And I think he wanted an independent Scotland, as I I recall. think he
1: did, yeah. I believe Sean Connery did want an independent Scotland. There's a, there's a difference of opinion about that in Scotland. Some want uh, much more independence. I mean, they got their own parliament back in 1999, and that had ceased to exist as of 1707 when Queen Anne was
0: That was, was huge. Ruined. How did that happen?
1: Well, they felt that uh, it would be best f- for commercial reasons, for political reasons, for diplomatic reasons, all kinds of reasons, and it just happened. Uh, There was a wish by James I, who became King of England in 1603. He had become King of Scotland and was an infant when his mother, Mary Queen of Scots, was forced out of Scotland into English imprisonment. But he really wanted to unite England and Scotland, but it was only a personal union from 1603 to 1714. I'm sorry, to 1707. But in 1707, It became more than a personal union, and the two kingdoms were united, and technically England and Scotland disappeared or were no more because you had the new country of Great Britain. I see. Right. And then from 1707 to 1801, it was Great Britain, and as of 1801, it became the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Ireland. And then in 1922, when 26 of the 32 counties broke away to form the Republic of Ireland, you had it changed to the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, which is the way it remains to this day.
0: But so Scotland, technically
1: technically speaking, Scotland and England don't exist as countries.
0: Even now? Even now.
1: Technically, they are not independent polities. No, nor is Wales.
0: Well, isn't the, queen, the current queen's favorite location as far as castles is in Scotland, isn't it?
1: No, I think the current Queen's is uh Windsor Castle, but uh Queen Victoria's uh, had two very favorite places. one was balmoral in i Scotland. I think
0: I thought that was the current queen's favorite. I think that's where she is actually right now as oh we she could record be there
1: this. she could be there and then uh, another one of Victoria's favorites was uh on the Alb White.
0: Bye. It must be nice to have so many homes to choose from.
1: Oh yes, let's see which one can we choose from today. There's only eighteen or twenty of them. hmm. Must be really rough.
0: Must be really rough. I right. guess that's why Harry and Meghan left. <laughs> they couldn't make those decisions too difficult.
1: Yeah, I'm not even going there.
0: <laughs> Have a good idea. <laughs> All right, so Shakespeare.
1: Yep, one of his four great tragedies, and a uh, magnificent tragedy at that.
0: Magnificent. But
1: I think everyone has to understand when they, when they come across the play that the historical Macbeth was very different in many ways. Very different. Right.
0: Although he may have killed Duncan or had him killed.
1: Yeah, well, Duncan, so that actually, part is accurate. Duncan actually came after him, which is the reason why Duncan had to be killed. It wasn't that, you know, and Duncan was a young man, not an old man. Shakespeare portrays him. And he wasn't invited. I think Shakespeare has Duncan killed in, in Macbeth's castle because that was extra wrong to have a guest and then kill him. That was looked upon as a, as a sin upon a
0: sin. I can understand that right. logic. And I think
1: that's why Shakespeare placed Duncan in Macbeth's abode when Duncan is killed in the middle of the night, even though his two servants are lying beside him. And then, of course, smeared with blood and their blame. But you know, a lot of individuals didn't accept that and whatever. But in the with the real Macbeth, it seems that he uh, came to the throne and there was no opposition to him.
0: And he was pretty good king. Yep. I like that. Yeah. All right. Well… well. I guess that wraps this episode up. Is there anything else you'd like to add to this?
1: I can't offhand think of. I mean anything we could else.
0: talk for hours about Scottish history, obviously.
1: Well, Scottish history is quite fascinating as is English history.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, it is my wish before I turn fifty
1: right.
0: to visit Scotland.
1: Well you're mostly of Scottish ancestry.
0: I am. I'm really a Viking, but yes.
1: <laughs> Viking right. Well the Vikings were involved in Scotland, in the Orkney Shetlands, even in Northern England, like in New York. So, a lot of Scottish and English uh, today have some Viking blood in them.
0: Yes, that would be me. Yes. So, I would like to go back to the land of my people and visit before I turn 50.
1: All righty.
0: Maybe I should start a GoFundMe page. (laughs) Go for it. Although, I would like to wait until after this whole COVID thing is done. Yes. For sure.
1: Money's kind of scarce right now.
0: Oof. So are a lot of other things. So. Are we done? I guess we are. Uh, But. We already have an idea for what we're going to do for For our our 30th 30th episode. And this was actually inspired by somebody who wrote in and suggested that we tackle certain things. So we decided to take his idea and run with it. So what is that idea?
1: It's going to be the history of certain holidays and how they came about. For instance, Christmas.
0: Right. Everyone thinks they know the history of Christmas, but do they really? And
1: why? why is it December 25th?
0: Indeed. And right. why is New Year's Day January 1st?
1: As opposed to what it used to be, which was March 25th.
0: See how exciting this is, everyone? Boy,
1: I can't wait.
0: I'm serious, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and Easter and, you know, all those holidays we celebrate. Right. Very ancient, many of them. Yes. So that's exciting. So hopefully we'll see you in two weeks with that episode. And until then... till then. Stay well, stay safe, and we'll sign off. Goodbye. Well, friends, here we are at the end of the podcast. Be sure to check out the links in the show description to find some of the resources we used for this episode. Also, if you've enjoyed listening, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a virtual high five by leaving us a five-star review. We'd really appreciate that. And if you'd like to connect with us directly, you can find us at historicallyspeakingpodcast.com or follow us on Instagram at Historically Speaking podcast. That's it for today. And again, thanks for sharing part of your day with us. And remember, if you want to know what the future holds, study the past.